Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, we are coming to the end of the week. Another week begins tomorrow. Another week, another year, another month begins tomorrow, Lord. Not begins next week. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. We just want to thank you. And we do not want to take your mercies and your grace for granted. We want to acknowledge it every day, Lord. That where we are, where we are, because of your faithfulness, even today. This morning as we come to the study of the word of God, I pray you will continue to teach us. For grace teaches. Grace empowers. And your grace is sufficient for us. We commit ourselves, Lord. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. Remember, we were looking at... um, Becoming something which God wants us to be. And that's what the new creation is all about. And last Saturday, everything is okay? Yeah, last Saturday we had looked at, at, uh, time. Time. Okay, we'll continue to look at time because, uh, that's one thing that's common about, only one thing actually is common about all of us. There's nothing that is common about all of us, not even our salvation. Though the gospel that is preached is the same, we don't receive it the same way, we don't grow the same way. Everything else about us is different except time. When it comes to time, how we utilize the time may be different. But the time given to us, everybody is the same. You can have daylight savings and whatever you want, but it's still it's only 24 hours. Okay. You can save it or lose it, but the time given is 24 hours. So this morning, as we continue on that, let's first look at why it is so important, important at what we are looking at, because we are looking at uh, being holy. And being holy, the first part is we are set apart. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, meaning I set you apart. Okay, it was all before, all before. So we need to realize, I'm sorry, my nose. We were set apart. And we were ordained for a purpose. Whatever that purpose. In his case, he was a prophet to the nations. <clears throat> in our case, we are a witness primarily. In different ways. But primarily, we are a witness of the life of Jesus Christ. We were set apart. Set apart. And we have to remember that. And the nature of that. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Who has saved us and called us. The holy calling. Okay? The calling is holy. Because the one who called is holy. We've been set apart from the womb. We have been called with the holy calling. So be very, very careful. And remember, 
to fulfill that call we have only a specific time given to everybody nobody was born out of time nobody was born before their time these are usages in the in the in the world okay we were all born at god's appointed time and the right age okay don't think oh if i was born during jesus time i would have followed him you probably would have told the same thing to crucify him so we were grateful we were born now that we accepted him didn't wasn't born then when you would have crucified him okay so god didn't make any of those mistakes he was absolutely on his money when he chose us which family which home which village which town which country which time everything or hasn't made any accidents okay so we coming back to time efficient chapter 5 5:15 to 17 <coughs> see then that you walk some circumspectly not as fools but as wise fools don't walk carefully Yeah, that's why Ephesians after that will say, "Do not be drunk with wine because it affects your walk." Okay, if you are drunk in anything, even if it is non-material, if you are drunk in anything, it affects your walk. It affects your walk, and you actually walk as a fool, though you may think you are wise. I've seen drunkards walk; they don't want any help. Be staggering all over the place and say, "I can't do it myself." To see my towns and all are very famous for these guys. <laughs> Kerala and Punjab are famous for alcoholics, and they are very famous. Okay. I know my neighbor, our neighbor in the same lane. It is interesting that he was the only Pentecostal. in that whole lane we did, we knew pentecostals but he was the only pentecostal family they had and he was a drunkard which is a in, incredible thing <laughs> of a pentecostal of that age to be a drunkard was something very interesting because pentecostals are com- considered set apart and one day he was drunk coming back he fought with somebody and in malayalam we have a saying when you fight you will say pallidichu okay man i'll knock your teeth out you know even in his drunk drunkenness you know what he did he put his hand into his mouth took his entire set of false teeth out and said now try it <laughs> okay so <laughs> now we are talking about ever walking wisely not as fools redeeming the time okay this is the issue we have to redeem the time because the nature of the time any time we have lived after the fall times are all evil the age is all evil until christ comes okay when christ comes things will all fall into place though there will be evil people around he will rule please sit on those comfortable chairs with your baby okay nobody is coming so you can sit there okay uh he will rule with a scepter of iron so he will not allow it so days are evil time can work for you or time can work against you depending on how you put it to use so we saw a couple of weeks back about 
how we are, how we have to be wisely utilize time. Remember those six steps to death? The first step is the most important. Why did David fall? It's because he was drawn away from something. That's the key. And that's why we need to know what we should be doing. Okay, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 17 is the most important part. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Why is this two connected? Because everybody has been called with a holy calling. We were set apart from our mother's womb. And we were ordained for something. And to fulfill it, we only have a certain period of time. It is that dash between born and death on a headstone of a tomb. The dash. Okay? Born on a day, died on a day, in between. In between. Yesterday we had a memorial service of a special needs child who was born with a brain deformity. But it's interesting to hear the testimonies of his father, his mother, and the people in the church that how much that child taught them. How much that child taught them. Because, you no. Know, because a child was special needs. Okay. And therefore what happens? Everybody learns patience. And thank God he was the pastor's son. Therefore the whole congregation learned patience. <laughs> patience. How to be kind to those who cannot be unkind because they have no control. Okay. Everybody, you know, and one of the testimonies was that the father was called to full-time ministry. But he was, no, I mean, when we all came, we are not like kosher. We are very hard, very with this thing, and how he has become meek and mellow. And more than his two normal sons, it was this son God used to make him a very patient man. Because, you know, that's why God gives, uh, God was, God was, because God is God and he doesn't have to change, he's always patient, even before the creation of man. So when he created the first man and woman, they were born full grown. But after that, we were given babies to learn patience. One thing babies teach is patience and long-suffering. Simply because they have no control over their behavior, and we have. And when babies come, that's when we realize we also have no control over our behavior. So babies are given. Babies are not born today and grow up tomorrow. It's a season. And when church is formed and people get saved, usually the church is mostly full of babies. And remember, all this is, please understand this fundamental principle. There is this order in the Bible which is called, they gather daily for the apostles' doctrine. And number two, fellowship fellowship, and then judgment and prayer. The most important part of that is fellowship. It's not doctrine. Doctrine without fellowship is useless. It's like a house with pillars and no walls. Do you stay there? No. It's a portico. It's a patio. It's not a house. We can be high on doctrine, have no fellowship, and our doctrine has failed us. It's the walls that make the house, not the pillar. The pillars hold it together. Doctrine is primarily, the purpose of doctrine is so that we know how to fellowship. But fellowship is what is fundamental, whether it's a home or whether it's a church. Fellowship is fundamental. The whole purpose of that entire thing, doctrine, fellowship, judgment, prayer, everything is centered around fellowship. 
so that they may be one as we are one. That's the whole purpose of salvation and creation is fellowship. And we don't understand that. We can sit here and learn all these things and get zero when we reach heaven. Understand that. Fundamental purpose of every teaching in the kingdom of God, it is, it is tuned towards one thing, that we learn to live as a community. Okay, Learn to live as a community. And there it is here, and we saw, so that we understand what the will of God is, will of the Lord is. Because okay. God doesn't need any one of us to do any of the things he wants to do. But he needs us to fellowship. Okay, So, when you are drawn away, when you don't understand the will of God, you don't redeem your time. There are two things about here connected. One, if I want to, if I want to redeem my time, I need to understand the will of God. And if I understand the will of God, I need to be very careful about the time because we are running out of time. Or rather, time is running out of us. It's always, it doesn't stop for anybody. Time and tide waits for no one. Okay, time and tide. So when new creation begins, both stops. There's no sea, there's no time. Okay, both stops. I love it, no sea. <laughs> because why has the sea to stop? You need to realize almost every major disaster on earth is caused by the sea. The storms begin in the sea. Why did we have unseasonal rain through the season? It's because of the low pressure in the sea. The storms, the cyclones, the typhoons, every, almost everything practically is ex- except for the volcanoes erupting. Everything is caused by the sea. When the new creation begins, the sea goes because there are no more storms in life. It ends. It's a time of peace. Okay, so every line in the scripture has its own spiritual connotations in our lives. Okay, in our lives. And that's what God is talking about over here. So you need to realize we have to know the will of God and we need to look at the time and bring it together and say, Lord, teach me, teach me, Lord. Let's go to the, like even the best of men, the best of men or women can fail. If they don't know the will of God and how to redeem. Second Samuel 11, 1. Therefore, in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Job and his servants with him, and all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. And but David remained at Jerusalem. If you look at the narrative, this is the beginning of the fall of David. Okay, You will see in that entire line what is mentioned most. It's time. The spring of the year. At the time. When kings go out to battle, he stayed back. It's all about time. Time is there. The will of God is there. Both are there. He knew the time. He knew the will. And he went against the revealed will of God and wasted his time. And that's where the fall begins. If you turn to Ecclesiastic chapter 3, verse 1, Everything, there is a season. There is a season. Spring is a season. Summer is a season. Autumn is a season. Winter is a season. These seasons have to got to do with, because God ordained in Genesis 1, times and seasons. And there are seasons in an individual's life. There is spring. There is summer. There is autumn. 
there is winter. And spring is the time of preparation for all the other seasons. If you miss spring, you will find summer very hot. And in autumn, you will fall. That's why it's called fall. And in winter, you will freeze. The time given to prepare is a time called spring. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time. And if you come to verse 8, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war. There's a time to war. There's a time to fight. Not fight with each other, no. There's a time to fight. Now if you go back to 11.1, the Bible says, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle. Okay, so there are seasons, there are times, and there are activities connected with that time and that season. And here you see the man in the Old Testament, one of the men, okay, just falling apart because of one small act of negligence. Yet, you know what? Acts after, it's a, David is a paradox. Because of what God says about him. Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. My will. That's what he said. Who will do all my will. But if you look at David's life, he did not do all the will of his God. He did not. He did not do all will of God. He did not do it. But his God said he will do it. God can say something about all of us. But fulfillment in so many ways is left to us. It's not that God did not went wrong. It's because we refuse to believe and obey. Okay, We were set apart from our mother's womb. New Testament also says the same thing in Corinthians 7.14 that by the faith of your father or mother, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. Okay. Yeah, First Corinthians. No, you are holy. Set apart, sanctified, clean. Okay. Now, does that mean uh, it is automatically transmitted that these children are all holy? Leave them alone, they will be holy? No. <laughs> God has spoken. Okay. Now, okay. He will do it, what the Bible says. Um, First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. Okay, it's okay. We don't have to go there. We know these scriptures. But Paul says to Timothy, let him do it. Let the man do it. So there is God's part and man's part. So God said something about David. That David is a man also who goofed up. Can we shut the door, please? Goofed up. Big time. Okay. Why did he goof up? Because he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Times and seasons. At a time when kings go to war. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. God has made us kings and priests. God has made us kings. First is told kings and then priests. So we do two things. As kings, we fight battles. As priests, we serve God. You cannot leave one. I will only fight. I will not serve. No, we will fight and we will serve. We have to do both. Kings go to war. Okay? Spring is a season of war. If we have learned 
to use that time in our life, in that life when we are young. Young meaning either primarily when we are young. I'm not using this term of the children being young. I'm talking about when you are a new believer. Whatever age you came through, came to the Lord. Those formative years are very, very important. Very important. That's why God is still is able to tell the church in Ephesus, you know, go back to what you did in the beginning. You started well. In the spring of your salvation, you were good. Just go back to it. Learn the lessons you learned in the beginning. Okay? There is a season, and the Bible actually puts it the first three years of your salvation. The first three years of your salvation is like spring. Okay? First three years of your uh, salvation is like spring. Okay, now God will give you a new beginning if you be goofed up and all. Don't worry about that because this is not a criminal court judge. This is a father. But also remember the father also happens to be a very impartial judge. Okay, very impartial in 1 Peter and 1 and verse 17. 17. I think I'm getting my reference. Yes. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges. So remember, this Father is not moved by sentiments. Because everybody standing before him are his children. And he's not Jacob. He's not Isaac who will put one before the other because this Father can't be fed with meat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so he judges without partiality. Okay, without him. Very, very impartial. Absolutely impartial the way he will do it. Okay, so please remember, it is important. Those seasons of our life, we have to learn to fight. Those things that are against us in fulfilling God's calling in our life. Because otherwise, summer will come. When summer comes, and we have an enemy. First Peter 5 eight talks about that enemy. Who is he? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he devoured. Have you ever seen the devil swallowing anybody? No. So what does it mean? He just steals your time. He knows your life is your time. With misplaced priorities. By wasting your time. He causes us to waste our time. And he knows he's eaten your life. He doesn't come and swallow us physically. But he takes our time away. And he knows very well. Life on earth is, is equal to time. That's how he, the devil comes to steal first. Before he will kill, he will steal. But what does he primarily steal? He steals our time. And steals our knowledge of the will of God for that time. Will of God for that time. Jeremiah 12 and verse 5 says, Then when summer comes, what will you do? If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? Okay, How can you contend with horses? Are you already tired? Okay, Summer is only coming. Okay, Summer is coming. And when if you have got tired during spring season, Okay, spring season. What will happen when summer comes? Now when spring comes, we say it is so hot. Summer is coming, 42. (laughs) What will he do? And then when winter comes, what happens when winter comes? The winter of life comes. 
okay winter when you grow old and you don't have time like before though the time is the same time time hasn't changed but you don't have time why because when you could run when you were young they cover the same distance what you could do in 5 minutes now it takes you 1 hour why you have slowed up your mind has slowed up mind is not mind is slowing everything is slowing down you know because time is catching up it's slowing down so god says what will you do will you be still but if you use the spring of your life profitably you learned you know you still can be powerful and useful in god's hand even in winter and there is an example in the bible about it second samuel chapter 23 30 benaya was a son of jehoiada the son of a valiant man from kabzeel who had done many deeds he had killed two lion like heroes of moab he also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day in winter in winter nobody expects a lion to come out in winter even he did not expect it was too cold and probably what happened was it snowing he needed shelter he got into a pit and in the pit was his lion but even in that winter when he was least expecting any attack his reflexes were good and he killed the lion even in winter okay so it's an example if you have trained yourself well during the spring of the season if you are caught unawares by a lion in winter you can still win you can still win why because he was the son of a valiant man he was the son of a soldier and he himself became a warrior okay he was a man of battle so the lion did not catch him unawares okay though it caught him unawares he was able to fight okay so please remember let's go back again second samuel chapter 11 and verse 1 It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle David sent okay his whole army to battle but David remained at Jerusalem Jerusalem is the best place to be in primarily but Jerusalem can be the most dangerous place for you if you are out of God's time okay out of God's time the place alone does not give you protection it's the time and the will of god church is a good place home is a good place office is a good place but you need to know your time you need to know your time where you should be and you should know the will of god for you God has a time for all these places all the Jerusalems in our life and God's presence which we primarily experience in terms of let us let us put it practical terms we experience God's presence in so many ways and one of the ways we experience God's presence is the power of his provision okay so God had particular places for particular times we looked at we know very well the best example of uh, elijah you know he was told to be at kerith and he said there i have commanded the ravens to feed you 
So God's presence you would experience only in that place. Though there were many better or almost every other place was better than Gerith if you look with your physical eyes. But provision came there. From there he was moved to another place called Zarephath and provision came there. From there he was moved to Carmel. And God's presence and his power and his provision was there. It was there. Though the odds were all against him, it did not matter. The odds don't matter for God. If God is for you, who can be against you? The odds don't matter. The thing is that you need to know what the will of God is. And you need to know the place you need to be. Okay. A lot of Christians really, really struggle in life. First is because they don't know the will of God for them. Second, they don't know the place of God. They need to be. And third, they don't know the time. They need to be in that place. You know? And in the process, what is happening is time is passing us by. And we are not static. Okay. For Carmel, he was called, he, he, he was moved to Jezreel. And the issue is that he actually stumbled at Jezreel. Okay. Stumbled at Jezreel. Because God is always moving. God is never static. The kingdom of God is always moving. If it is not moving, the kingdom of God will not come to earth one day. Meaning it's already moving. It's moving. It's getting closer and closer and closer. At Jezreel he stumbled because the word of God says, says he stopped. The forward movement of Elijah stopped. Okay, please understand. We may come to that later. Because there is always battles involved. If you have to move forward, you have to fight so many things. Others may be fighting battles on our behalf. May even win those battles. But personally, we ourselves will lose. Job and his army is fighting. And they are winning. They are not losing. They are winning. But personally, you will lose. You will lose. Okay. You will lose. So please understand. You cannot escape personal responsibility in this. Personally understand. That's what I said. Don't outsource your things to the church. What you should do, you should do. And then be part of that corporate thing. Be very careful because we are learning fundamental issues over here. Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2. Then it happened one evening. David arose from his bed. Again, what happens over here? Two things are mentioned here. One is time. What is that? Evening. Second is place. He arose from the bed. Wrong time, wrong place. Wrong time, wrong place. What are you doing in the bed in the evening? What are you doing? David, let me ask you a question. If you were at war, would you be in bed in the evening? No. Would you be? If you had gone to work, would you be in bed in the evening? No. You're in bed in the evening because you didn't go to work. Right? Let's make it relevant to ourselves. The Bible says, in the evening, he arose from his bed. You need to realize this is where the issues are all coming in. Even if he had stayed back, let us say, 
he stayed back. He went to bed at night and woke up in the morning and went to bed in the e- in the evening. Okay, whatever it is, this thing would not happen. What is happening is because it's at the wrong time and the wrong place. Okay. Proverbs ten four and five. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Okay. Okay. So what is it? You're talking about another season. If you have fought your battles in spring, you will gather your harvest in summer. Okay. There are seasons. There are seasons when you are called to fight. And there are seasons when you are called call to bring in your harvest. Okay, But if you sleep during harvest, during summer, what will happen? You will bring shame. Psalm 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days. What is that? Measure our time. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. So now you need my glasses. No, no. She's peering like this from there. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Nothing misses my eye, okay? So teach this all from classroom teaching. You had to keep an eye on all the students. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So if you're wise, you will know your time. You will. Some people live on the edge of the knife. One is our little ever hero over here. Hmm? Not a Sammy. <laughs> because Sammy has so much responsibility, but he will always try to cut it fine. The problem is not that he is not confident with your skills, but the problem is from reaching from point A to point B, there are so many others involved. We haven't been given wings yet to fly. <laughs> When eternity begins, it's a different thing, a different body, and it's okay. But right now, there are a lot. Like I said, never be late to an airport, never be late to a railway station, never be late for an appointment. Never be. Never take chances. It is okay if you're early. But if you are late, okay, so please remember, don't live on the edge of time. Okay, live on the edge of time. Remember, number your days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, meaning measure your time. Psalm 39, verse 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I might know how frail I am. Make me know my end. Okay, Take a look. Take a good look around people who are old and how they walk. And how they have become as people. Are they nice? Are they kind? Are they smarter? Smarter in the sense have more wisdom than other people you meet. Look around. And if they haven't ended up like that, be wise. You know, Lord, I don't want to end like that. I don't want to end like that. Because you know what? There is a season for all these things. There's a season to change. After that, change becomes more and more and more difficult. Change is not easy. Change is easy during the season of spring. Most things we learned, which we have become, we learned when we were young. After that, we are just pretending that we are changing. 
Because if you really change, we are consistent. And we are not consistent because we haven't really changed. So we are sanctified saints in church and criminals outside. And we blame the children when they make a noise or when they cry or they walk, when they are original. And we are the fakes. They are true. There's nothing hollow or hypocritical about them. They are absolutely true. If you leave them alone, they will be exactly what they are. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadth. That's how in those old days they measured. My days are like handbreadths. My age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Even in the spring of your life, you need to remember, you can be cut off. You're just vapor. Be very careful about this one thing called time. It is it is so common because every day we get 24 hours, we don't realize how precious it is. It is the only commodity on planet Earth. Once lost, you can never get back. Almost everything else you can get back. Everything else can be. Even health can be restored. One thing you cannot get back is time. Once lost, it's gone. It's gone. And we need to be very, very careful about time and to know the will of God. Our days are literally numbered. And our greatest gift God gives us, Abigail, every day is time. And seasons in life are also a precious gift. Please understand that. And parents understand that. It never comes back. All of us here, especially the, there's only one childhood in life. There's no two. Don't make a child a teenager. Don't make a teenager an adult. Because there's only one childhood in life. A child should do what child, children should do. They will never get it back. Never get it back. A teenager should do what a teenager should do. Because they will never get that time back in life. Okay? Because God has put these seasons in life. Okay? Seasons in life. And if you look at people, let us say uh, there are five children and the eldest is a girl. Let's say eldest is a girl. And there is a tragedy in the family and the mother dies. Automatically the eldest becomes a mother. You know what? When she grows up, she really never fits into life because she missed her childhood. Therefore, when she actually becomes a wife, she and has children, she she is always mothering them without allowing them to grow. Because she never grew. She never knew. I have met people like that. They're nice people. But one thing they did not know is what childhood is. What teenage is. Tragedies happen in life. What has happened is certain seasons of your life are lost. Are lost. And when you miss those seasons, when you become a parent, you are not able to understand when somebody else is going through that season. 
Okay, like for us, sitting, like for me as a pastor, when I'm teaching from the pulpit, I look at the people, I teach. But I also, I'm different with different people about the same teaching, because some I know are children. Not this wise, salvation wise. So I don't expect you to react to what I have taught the same way, because you don't have it in it to react. But some you will be more tough because you've been in the kingdom for so long and I expect much from you because you are not like literally what we say, you are no spring chicken. You are hardened rooster. Okay? You are in a different season of your life and you have not come through. And you don't have much time left to change. And if you don't change, you'll get hard and set like concrete. You see, when concrete is mixed, there is a there is only a very short period of time if you want to make changes. And they are busy doing it during that sun. After, if you look at exactly opposite, they are doing it. There's a time to do it and has to make it smooth. If you don't during a time, it is set. Then you can't do anything. Do you know what you have to? You have to break the whole thing and redo it all over again. So we have time for everything and we need to understand if we don't utilize our seasons and our time, we'll get set like concrete. So there is a season for all, everybody here are different different seasons. There are children here, there are youth here, are in that year 13? Only 12. So next year, teenage is beginning. Okay. 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 There will be teenagers. There are children. There are youth. There are middle age, old age. All kinds of seasons are there. And if you haven't understood the will of God for each season and fought your battles in spring, gathered your harvest in summer, no, each season, then when the snowy day comes, winter comes, you will realize Practically, life is a waste. You have nothing to give. Your spiritual life has become a hospice. Palliative care. You know what a hospice is? It's a palliative care. And that's not how God intended man to be. So redeem time. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeem time. Because the days are evil. Redeem means to buy Ransom. No. Redeem means to buy. Christ redeemed us not with gold and silver, but with his precious blood. If you have to get something, you have to give away something. You have to redeem. You'll always have to give away something. If you don't give away, you cannot redeem. You'll always have. That's why you need to know. A man who is set apart, a woman who is set apart, we need to know the times and the season. First Thessalonians chapter 5, words 1 and 2. It's all talking about time. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you need, you have no need that I should write to you. Do you know the time and the seasons? Why? For you yourself know perfectly the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Meaning, when the day of the Lord comes, nobody will know. Whether you are five foolish or five wise, nobody knew. But the difference between the foolish and the wise was the wise spent their time wisely. Therefore, when the day of the Lord came in like a thief in the night, they were prepared. 
They did not waste their time. The flask was full of oil. So they did not waste their time. That is what he's talking about. We need to know the times and the season. Why is it so important? Because nobody knows. There are two eventualities we are facing every day. Either death or the coming of the Lord. It's appointed unto every man to die once and then there is preparation. No, judgment. Either of these events immediately takes us into judgment. And judgment is set. Judgment. Yesterday's message was on that. It's a memorial service. But the entire message was, it's appointed unto every man to die once. And it is judgment. So we are not talking about the child who has passed away. We are talking to the people who are alive. What does death remind us of? There is judgment coming. How well are we prepared for judgment? Do you know the judge? Do you know the standards of judgment? And we have been given this much time in life to prepare for that day. That's the whole point. Look at David when he is in trouble. Psalm 63 verse 1. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. If you look at the heading of your psalm in your Bible, it says when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So he is in trouble and this is his heart. What does he say? O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now turn to Second Samuel 11.2. It happened one evening he arose from his... It's the same person. A man who was used to waking up early in the morning and seeking the Lord is now getting up in the evening. That's what I said. Even the best of men can fall if you change your priorities and your spiritual discipline. It doesn't matter. It may be a good time. Everything is going for you. Nothing is going against you. You are winning every battle. But certain things should never change in your life. And one of the things is that early in the morning, you seek the Lord. You don't change that. You put God's kingdom first in spring, in summer, in autumn or winter. Seasons will come and go. Times will come and go. One thing does not change. God is first. God is first. You seek God first. And God, seek God's will in everything first. What does God want me to do during this time and this season? What does he want me to do? He's at ease. Now let us fast forward to Uriah. First Samuel. Yeah, second Samuel, chapter 11, 8 to 11. Then David, we know the story. Right? He, he, he did not sleep. He saw Bathsheba and the mess that happened after that. And then he realized it's a mess now. It's a bigger mess than he thought. She's scary. Now what to do? It's a mess. Okay? So now the big cover-up begins. Okay? Usually like they say in US, the cover-up is worse than the crime. Okay? It's not what Nixon did. It's what Nixon tried to cover up. Okay? The cover-up is bigger than the crime. Okay, and that's the whole thing happened. So what did he do? He said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. Verse 10, so when they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? 
And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. My Lord Job and his servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Now go to Ecclesiastic, chapter 3, verse 5. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Ray was a man who knew his time. It's a time of war. It's not a time to embrace. I will lose my focus. I was telling the Nepali church that if you knew the old days, like football and all this World Cup football, all these things, now things have changed. But old days, it's a different thing altogether. The players could not bring their wives they will allow no distraction. They were not allowed to bring their family, their wives. Today you can bring your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your transgender friend. It does not matter. Everything has gone. Gone out of the window. But times have changed. <laughs> Did you see? He knew his time. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. You understand, you know what? I have a purpose. What is that? It's war. I've been summoned here only because the king has called me. And as soon as the king says I can go, I'm returning. And I will not lose my focus. I will not be distracted from my purpose right now. The question is, is home good? Of course. Is your wife good? Of course. But is the time right? No. Time is not right. This is not the time. Okay, that's where we need to understand, know the will of God and redeem the time. Look at David, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 48. It was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. Okay, what's he doing? Now he's the only one running towards the enemy to fight the battle. While the entire army is standing back, he's running because he knew his time, his season and his purpose. And he's not even wasting a second. He's rushing to redeem the time and fulfill God's purpose. In 11-2, he's sleeping while the army is fighting. He's forgotten his purpose. See, understand, okay, this is why we need to be very, very careful. The problem is that we start getting negligent as time goes. The whole thing that happened in chapter 11 is what happened in 9 and 10. David has won all his battles. And after some of that, we take it for granted. We start winning left, right, and I say, enough now, let somebody else fight. No need. I have arrived. None of us have arrived. Because it's a race that will finish when God says it's over. Okay? Remember, we are not running for anything temporary. 11-2, he slept. But we also need to know our season. Second Samuel 21, verse 16 and 17. Then Ishi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, that is Goliath, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zerurai, came to his aid, whose aid? David's aid. And struck the Philistine and killed him. 
And the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. When you come to the winter of your life, we very clearly know our physical limitations. Yes, Atira, exactly. No? You need to know your limitations. Don't try to do the things which you know you cannot do. Those things let others do. We can't do all things at all ages. Okay. We can't do all things in all ages. We need to understand our purpose, His will, our time, our season, and our limitations. So David's life is an incredible history of how God moves in man and teaches us to number our days. And those are the Seasons when we need to take what we say in English, take a step back and allow others to move to the front and say, you know what? In everything, everywhere, you need to realize in every part of life, we have to take a step back. Even with our children, we have to take a step back. We are scared, oh, they will fail. No, let them fail. How long are you going to protect them? Take a step back. And slowly release them, release them. Maybe they will fail. But you cannot hold them. If you hold them, and they have been set apart by God, if you hold them, He will allow them to be taken. Like Joseph was taken. He will allow children to be taken from overprotective parents. Because otherwise they will never fulfill the will of God in their lives. To be sold by own flesh and blood. To be betrayed by own flesh and blood. To be taken. Why? Because they have a call and a purpose in God's life. And now you have not understood the season. You have become the stumbling block. And you think you are being loving and kind when you are not. So we have to understand seasons in life. Understand seasons in life. Your intentions may be good, but may be outside the will of God completely. Completely. Please understand this. These are all lessons we learn. Okay, so we need to understand our times, our seasons, our abilities, the will of God, our energy available. Okay, energy available, all these things. Because that's why, you know, I'm not against it, I'm not telling anything, no, but, but I personally believe after a particular age, you should not dye your hair. Because if you look much younger than your actual age, people will expect you to do what you cannot do. Let us say you are 70, you look 40, they will say run. Okay. You shall not get deeper into that. <laughs> it will ruffle feathers if you have Matthew 25, verse 25 and 26. Parable of the talents, remember? Remember? Who is this guy? The one talent man. I heard somebody say, the people with one talent are the people always at greatest risk. Always greatest risk. To whom only one was given. It's always at risk. 
He said, I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. His Lord said and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew what I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered. What was his problem? What was his problem? His problem was that he simply wasted his time and did nothing with what he had. He just wasted his time. (laughs) I gave you something. You did nothing with it. What did you do with it? Now he's going asking an account of two things. I gave you something and I gave you so much time. Because the word of God says, this Lord went to a city and has gone for many days, many months, many years. And then one day he came back. So he gave us something, gave us a certain period of time to achieve something. And then at the end of the time when he came back, he says, you did nothing. He did nothing. He just wasted his time. That's why the will of God and time are intricately connected. Intricately connected. Okay. That's why when judgment comes for the believers, not of condemnation, judgment comes for the believers, it's put into two categories. Gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, straws. Wood, hay, straws are huge and voluminous. It does not mean this guy did not do anything. It means everything he did had nothing to do with the will of God. Stacks of wood he collected. Stacks of hay he collected. Stacks of straw he collected. But nothing was connected with the will of God. The will of God is something else. It is, it's, it's not necessarily got to do with quantity. It had to do with quality. Gold. In a lifetime you cannot collect much gold. Unless you are a government crook. Okay. You cannot collect much precious stones. Okay, you cannot. So you need to realize time has to be spent very carefully. Very, very carefully. Very carefully. Okay, so the judgment is not going to be the way we think it is going to be. So when we look back into a life, don't look at the volumes. Just look at the nature of what we have collected. Is it hay? Is it straw? Is it wood? Or Will it be considered? Because the thing about, think about wood, hay, straw. Think about golds and precious stone. The other is silver, right? Golds, gold, silver and precious stone is that. The difference between these two is that in the first set, its value increases with time. Gold's value doesn't come down. It keeps on going up. Have you noticed? Wood's value comes down. As time goes on, its value comes down and comes down and comes down. Straw, of course, rots off. So we need to look at what we have collected in life. Is its value increasing or its value decreasing? What we have spent our time on. Is its value increasing or its value decreasing? That's how we actually, you know, the word of God is very practical. Check back into your life and see what I have collected so far. 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, whatever category believer you are. What you have collected, what is its value now? Has its value increased? Or has its value decreased? You will know. Okay? Leave it to individuals. And his problem was, he did nothing. He did nothing. That was his problem. He wasted his time. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, 
we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we the most dangerous thing that happens in a believer's life is that he drifts drift primarily in today's context messages context is to spend time going nowhere hmm? going nowhere it used to happen when we were young We go to the bus station. My town had Kerala's largest bus station. Okay. And we look at five buses all going in the same direction. And, you know, and we go and sit in the bus, which doesn't seem to have many passengers because we want a comfortable seat. And we sit there. And after some time, one of those khaki clad people come and say, why are you sitting in this bus? This bus is not going till evening. All the others are going, but we are sitting here comfortably thinking, I have got a seat. The other people are standing. The problem is they are going somewhere. Here you are just sitting there, going nowhere. And people don't realize one of the most dangerous situations in a believer's life is called drifting. Drifting is movement without destination. Do you know where you are going? Do you know where you are going? And you know, for a person to drift, all you need to do is nothing. All you have to do is nothing. Because in drifting, there is no focus, no purpose, no eternal goal. That is why in Ephesians 5, everything that was mentioned is connected to the Will of God. Minute will of God comes, you know what? Purpose is defined. Purpose is defined. You understand. Then when purpose is known, time becomes relevant. Time becomes very, very important. Right? Very, very important. Okay? Ask anybody who trains for 100 meter dash and anyone who trains for a marathon. They look at time differently. They don't look at time the same way. A marathon runner looks at time completely different. The 100 meter fellow knows, you know what, if I need to be anywhere in the top 10, I have to break it into under 10 seconds. I got only 10 seconds to prove myself. The marathon runner doesn't think about time that way. He looks at time. You know what, I need to conserve my energy. Energy. I need to conserve my energy because at the last stage, I need to spurt. Okay, So we need to know, if we don't understand purpose, we will not understand and value time. And we are drifting, people are drifting. It's simply because they have not understood the will of God for them personally. And the will of God people don't understand personally is if I do not keep to the general will of God, I will not know the specific will of God. You cannot be casual about one and expect to know the other. Then you need to understand Place is no protection. Church is not a safe place for you. It's not a safe place for you. Home is not a safe place for you. 
office is not a safe place for you. Because even in Jerusalem, you can fall if you don't know your purpose. First Kings chapter 19, verse 8 and 9. He arose and ate and drank. He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Where did he go? The mountain of God. He went into the cave, spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Hello, where are you? I'm in the mountain of the Lord. And what is the question God asks? What are you doing? Elijah, do you know why you reached here? This is not plan A for me, for you. This is, I'm on plan B for you. Because you missed out on plan A. Because you missed your time. You missed your season. I'm resetting your re- life. It's like you miss, no? The Google, that lady in Google. I don't know. How come wherever you go, her voice is the same? How can you have one woman speak so much? <laughs> I'm talking about Google Maps. <laughs> you know what? It's, we have women whose voice some people heard only yesterday after two years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You are rerouting. Why, why did, why is she rerouting you? Because you missed the right turn. You know what God is doing with Elijah? He's rerouting you. What are you doing here? You know where it happened? <laughs> First Kings chapter 18, 46 and 19, 1. These are two consecutive chapter divisions came later. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins, ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So he's, who is Elijah? He's the spirit part of you. Who is Ahab? The flesh part of you. You come to 19 and verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. How did that happen? Because spirit stopped and allowed flesh to take over, overtake you. Why would God give you strength to go faster than the king's chariot and reach before him if it was not to destroy Jezebel? But you know what? You stopped and allowed flesh to go past you. Now flesh is talking to flesh and plotting against you. Like I said, like Sunday, what Pastor Vijay said, you oppose yourself. That's what happened. Why did you, why would, why did you, why did you stop at Jezreel? Should not have stopped at Jezreel. You should have gone rushing into the palace. Probably what happened, Jehu, would have happened for you. It's a lesson God is teaching Jacob with uh, Joseph's sons. I mean, this was my plan for you. Why did you lose 20 so many years of your life? Because you stole your blessings, which, why do you have to steal your own money? about it. Isn't it odd? You stole your own money. It was yours. It was your blessing. You went and stole it. And because you stole it, you lost 20 years. On the other hand, if you had been still, when your father has ate all that, he would have said, Esau, Jacob, come here. No? Okay. And I would have crossed his hands. I would have crossed his hands. In the same way, fast forward. This is what would have been happened. Elijah had run 
into Jezreel. And she looks down because she already knows what's happening. Have you come here, trouble of Israel? And he says, who is for me? Three eunuchs standing with her. He would have said, throw her down. It would have been a different history. What happened? You stopped. You cannot stop in the movement with God. You have to keep moving. Because the kingdom of God is not static. It is always moving. Elijah stopped. And therefore you know what happened. God has to reroute him. What he was supposed to do, God will need three men to do his work. What a waste of manpower. God is a good steward of his own resources. What you should have done, now I need to find three people. Yes, uh, Elisha, Jehu, and the other guy. Hazel. Three, Hazel, no? Three people to do your work. One good guy, one tough guy, one wicked guy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) That's where it started. I needed three people to do one man's, you know why? All of this, why? Because you stopped. And after you stop, you just drifted. You drifted. You know? And it's a very dangerous thing. Very, very dangerous thing. We need to understand. Because the fundamental issue, that's why Paul is so special in scripture. Because one thing you will see about Paul is that he's always pressing on. He keep on pressing on. And therefore he's able to accomplish, literally accomplish more than all the apostles put together. He's able to accomplish. You know why? He never stops. He never stops. He's moving on with God and God's purpose in his life. Remember Matthew 12, 10, 30, sorry, 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters about. What does it mean in terms of today's context time? If you are with God, he's always gathering. He doesn't stop. He's always gathering. And if you're not gathering, you're wasting your time. You're scattering your time. Your time is going. Because God is always on the move. God is always gathering. God doesn't waste time. Okay? Okay. That even when you rest, your rest should be profitable. You should not get up more tired than when you went into bed. Because some people, when they get up, they are not sure they are tired before or after. <laughs> okay. These are all scriptures. Okay, These are all scriptures. If you are with God, what does it mean? You are always redeeming time. You are always gathering. Nothing is being wasted. Right? As Jesus told the servants, oh sorry, his disciples, who were his servants, pick up the fragments. Pick up the fragments. No waste. Everything. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Pick it up. Pick it up. Okay? Suddenly you realize, you know what? I'm readying my time. Nothing is being scattered. No? That's what we, we spiritually call, you have a full life. You have a full life. You know, life, time is not being wasted. Nothing is being wasted. You are a good steward of God's resources. Because everything on the earth and its fullness belongs to God, including us. We belong to God. We own nothing. He owns everything. And one day when he comes, he will ask, 
account of everything he gave it to us. Remember the sixth step? You are safest when you are five steps away. The sixth step is death. When you drift. Second Samuel 12, 13 and 14. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, Lord has also put away your sin, you shall not die. Okay, you drifted, you goofed up everything and you repented. And God said, okay, because you repented, you shall not die. But the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Something or somebody will definitely die because of your negligence. Cannot escape it. Because there is a law that is written. The wages of sin is always death. So something has to die. But somebody has to die. Because we drifted. Because we did not redeem our time. Something will die. What is that? Let us say. Why people do not have time to finish things is because they don't do the things what should be done on time. So what will happen? Ultimately, Certain things remain undone. That things, those things died. Those things died. Okay. Meaning, if you are slow in your workplace, your home will die. Somewhere something has to die. I still remember when I worked in the secular this thing. I still remember my first day with Orion Longman. It's nine to five. I have five. I have finished my job. 20 minutes earlier, finished all my manuscripts, everything. And I'm looking. Nobody is moving. So I had two colleagues, one from GNU, one from HU, me from IFLU. Three, three U's are sitting. Those were the old variants of COVID. MU and you know, IFLU, HCU, DU. These were all IFLU, COVID variants. We three were sitting there on my thing. So I asked, why is nobody going? And they said, nobody goes. Because GM is here. Chairman is here. Nobody goes. I said, GM has got nothing to do. Chairman has nothing to do. But we all finished our work. But they said, James, nobody goes. I said, okay. I shall wait. They said, when the MD goes, then people start moving. I waited. 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock. Then finally I got up and went. Next day, you know what I did? Five o'clock. I got up. What happened? Is it working? Internet is working? Something? Okay, it's coming. No signal, it says. I got up and I left. Nobody said anything. Because you know what? If I don't leave, something else will die. My office will be alive. Chairman will be happy. MD will be jubilant. What about your home? Your home will die. Okay. On the other hand, if I went to office one hour late, my office will die. Meaning you lose your job. Home will be alive for a season. Something will die. It is not possible. It will die. Because there is a time and a season and a life. And you cannot override these things. That's why God says, you know what? Learn to redeem time. And that's the first thing we have to teach our children. You know what? To do things on time. Or rather before time. 
before time. That's why not the, the blessings of being born as a son of a principal and study in the same school. If you're born as son of a principal and study in some other school, it's not a blessing. You don't learn anything. But you are in the same school, you learn a lot of things. One of the things you used to tell me is that if tomorrow is the exam, I shouldn't see you studying. That means you have not prepared. You did not use your time, which was for preparation. Today is the time to relax. Keep your mind free. Okay. You are never late for school. I could not be late for school. If I was late for school, the school was late. Because my job was to ring the bell. <laughs> and I could go to school only after I was ready in my uniform, polish my father's shoes, then go ring the bell. And his shoes had to shine. So you know what you learned about time very, very early. We teach our children time very, very early. That one of the first things our children need to learn, the most precious gift you get each day is time. It's a gift. If you waste it, you never get back. You lose your money, we can make it. You lose your health, we can nurse you back. Almost everything in life, you can get it back. But the time lost is gone. One of the fundamental things we, t- we have to teach our children is to redeem their time. Be very careful. Very, very careful of how we use your time. Your time will just, just go and never come back. So there we are. You know what the enemy does? The enemy will distract us so that we forget that we are a set apart people for every time. Every season and every place God takes. We are a set apart place. Luke 16 and verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Okay, now we have heard it so many times, but we don't believe it. It's emphatic. It's not you shall not. It's not you will not. You should not. It says you cannot. It's impossible. It's impossible to serve God and ma'am. Impossible. Impossible to serve God and mammon. Now the problem here is that in almost all modern translations we take mammon and make it into money. But It is not actually money. It is what money does. Mammon is the actual Syriac word for gain. You cannot serve God and gain. Philippians 3, 7 and 121. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 121. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why does, why is it mammon gain and not money? Because this entire world system in which we lived is based on gain. The entire kingdom of God is based on loss. 
it is not our accounts if you work on uh, the kingdom of god principle of loss you will never be a chartered accountant they will never hire you impossible the kingdom of god is based on loss the kingdom of this world is based on gain and your entire life is loss if a man is not willing to lose his life not gain his life lose his life and our problem is that we are very good christians so we are trying to balance accounts gain and loss god says no i didn't say balance i said loss But Sami and Dollar are very good because he's, he is better than a chartered accountant now. So much experience. <laughs> okay. What do chartered accountants do? They balance accounts. When you go for commerce, economics, accounts, what do they teach you? How to balance accounts. But God's kingdom, you cannot balance accounts. If you balance accounts, if it is gain or you balance accounts, you are a loser in God's kingdom. In the kingdom of God, accounts are based on loss. When you stand before God, the whole idea is, how much did you lose? We ask Paul, Paul, how much did you lose? He says, everything. And how much did you gain? Everything. What did you get? I got Christ. I got Christ. And Jesus is saying, you cannot. Why did I bring this over here? Because this entire pursuit of gain eats of your time. Entire pursuit of gain in this world is stealing your life. It's stealing your time. It's taking your time. The time is gone. That's what he tells the rich man. You fool. He says, you know what? Look at the gain. So much, I have to build, break down and build more go-downs, more bonds to take all. He says, you fool. Now, what you considered gain will be loss. Because you thought being rich towards God was loss, was not gain. Now you're going to lose everything. Everything. James chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, let's go to 6 also. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all without reproach. It will be given to him. <coughs> wisdom. Yeah. 6, 7. Yeah. Let him ask him with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. What does it say? He's a double-minded man. What does the Bible say? A double-minded man actually receives nothing from God. If you are trying to balance your accounts, gain and loss, gain and loss, you are a double-minded man. He actually receives nothing from God. But he says, but I have received so much. He says, what you have received, nothing will cross into eternity. There you will realize it was worth nothing. Because people are always counting their blessing in terms of prosperity. But your prosperity will mean nothing in heaven. Nothing in heaven. Whatever you have gained, can you take it across as the question? Okay. And we will realize most of the things we gained 
we won't be able to take it across. Why? Because we are double-minded. We are always balancing. And all of our time ended. We are not lazy. We are double-minded in the kingdom. We are looking for gain and loss. Gain and always looking in that term. So we are not willing to suffer loss. We are not willing to suffer loss. Joshua 24 verse 15. If it seems evil to you to see the whole idea has got to it's got to do with serving. It's not about anything else. You see, we got only a certain amount of time, and in that time we are serving. Everybody is serving. Not serving is not a choice. There's no choice like I will not serve. Everybody is serving something or somebody. If not yourself, you are serving. Now go to Luke 16 and verse 13. No servant can. Serve. You cannot serve. It's impossible to serve two masters. You can only serve one master. It is not possible to serve two masters. So it has got to do with time. It's got to do with the will of God. It's got to do with serving. You cannot serve two. And Joshua is saying it is not possible. You have to choose who you will serve with the time you have. And what happens? You will either hate or love. Be loyal to one or despise. Very clear. Very clear. And we think these things are not real. And God says it is real. And it is outside our power to refuse to serve. Because everybody is serving. And depending upon what you serve, you will love it. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. You know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For menace will be, that's where all thing begins there. They're lovers of themselves. They love what they love. They love what they love. It doesn't have to be necessarily anything bad. Sports, is it bad? But they love sports. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Let's leave the whole thing and what they become because of that. Okay, Lovers of pleasure. Rather than lovers of God. So there are three things mentioned there. You know what? They're lovers of themselves. Therefore they love money. So they can spend on their pleasures. That's the key. The whole issue is that they love what they love. They love what they love. And what they love, it's not necessarily bad. Doesn't have to be anything bad. But in the process, they will miss the will of God. Okay. That's what happened to David. Not lovers of God. And they end up serving the wrong things. They end up serving. Remember it is about serving. What you love, you will serve. What you love, you will serve. Like I said, Jerusalem is not a bad place. It's a good place. Only if you're supposed to be there. Home is a good place. If you're supposed to be there at that time. Otherwise, it can be a bad place. Office is a good place. If you're supposed to be there at that time. That's why we have this 9 to 5. 
all around the world, it is 9 to 5. Most of the problems in modern marriages took place in the last one and a half years when work from home began. And then they realized, you know what? Work up from home is not a good thing. You should work from office. But when you were romancing, you thought, I can't stand missing you. But now you're tired of seeing each other. Would you please go back to office? Nine to five. Should go back to nine to five. Okay. You know why? All these places in itself are not bad. But you need to know your time and your season. And the problem is, how does the enemy distract us? It distracts us with good things. And we love it. We love it. Ultimately, we end serving it and we think, we are serving God when we are not serving God. We are not serving God. Because the world says work is worship. Who told you? Work is worship. No, work is not worship. You shall only worship God and serve Him. Right? When Israel was called out, right? This is what Moses was supposed to say in Exodus 4, 22 and 23. Israel is my firstborn. You know? Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, what will happen? What does it mean? Something else will die. Something else will die. Something will die. Okay. Let my son go to serve me. What is salvation about? Serving God. And if salvation does not mean we understand the will of God and the times of God and the seasons of God and we, and the places of God and we don't serve God in those places in that time and in that season of our life, something will die. Something will die. And our success is not overall. We may be successful in office and absolute failure at home. We may be successful at home and terrible failure in the workplace. That's not God. When God says about blessing, it is overall. You shall be blessed when you go out. You shall be blessed when you come in. You know why? Because you have understood God's time and seasons and places and the will of God. And man cannot escape this because he was created to worship and to serve. Because the other places he will see so that he will worship me. Let him go on a three days journey and offer a sacrifice. He will worship me. So serving and worship is put together. Okay? It is put together. And you cannot escape it. The only question is who you will worship. And if you want to see genuine worship, absolute genuine worship, you need to go to stadiums. That's genuine worship from the heart. When your team is winning, the passion, unrestricted passion and the actions, the hands, the body, the soul, the spirit, everything is involved. Because you will worship. And when a man or a woman worships their work, you will see them giving it 100%. Their work has become their idol. It's not God. 
it is not God. Their work has become their ideal. And they have great job satisfaction. They get great pleasure of it. But they are not lovers of God. They are not lovers of God. Because they see their gain there. Gain. And let me tell you with children. You know what children? I mean, I'll tell you. I loved reading. I love reading still. So, when you are reading, your little one comes and says, will you come play with me? Put it down. Come, let us play. What? Snake and ladders. What is gain for me? Nothing. It's loss. It's loss. It's loss. And you have to make choices like that through life. From the little one to the oldest one. Everything is a loss. Because you always have something which you love more. And it's not bad. It may be your own Bible. It's not bad. But you have to make your choices. And you know what? That's what I said. This is the danger in with the enemy. Because you only have season. Like I said, you only have a season. After that, they don't need you. There are things which children do, there are things which teenagers do, there are things which... And all life has its own seasons. They never come back. You know what? And the devil will distract you by getting you to do things and you don't redeem your time. And why? But you are feeling so good because you don't sense it. But this is gain for me. This is gain for me. It's only for me. And you are get deriving a pleasure from it. So you know what? I fulfilled First Timothy chapter 3. I am in that perilous time. I love myself. I love pleasure. And I love money. Why do I love money? To buy books. Of course, I'm not spending on alcohol. I'm not spending on eating out. But I do buy books. That's why I never visit a bookstall. For years. Because I know. I will not be able to handle it. I never go. Never. I haven't gone into a bookstall for years. I haven't gone there at all. Because you know what? It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my gain. It's my gain. Am I reading fiction? No. And I'm, am I reading pulp fiction? No. I haven't reading any one of them. All I'm reading is kosher books. But the question is, it's gain for me. It's gain for me. And I have understood as I have grown older, you know what, it's gain for, it was always gain for me. It was not loss for me. Because I realized, to get a message, it takes me only one hour now. Because I just have to go to God, He gives me the message. And all the reading I was doing was primarily, I was deriving pleasure for myself. I didn't need so much. It was easier now when I understood of balancing that I am willing to lose here, lose here, lose here, lose here, lose here. Suddenly I realized gain is coming in. It's it's not so difficult. It is not so difficult. Okay, like we preach now almost more than ever we did in our life. But you know, Lord, it doesn't take so much study anymore. It doesn't take so much study anymore. You know why? Priorities fell into place. And we suddenly realized priorities were not what you thought about. Your priorities were all mixed up. Because you never understood this subtle lie of the enemy. And you never thought that you were a lover of yourself. Because all the things you were doing were good. 
and not bad. If you, that's a trap of good Christians. No, who understand? If you are bad, you are always convicted by guilt. I did evil, I did. But here you are not convicted at all. No, because you closed your eyes to the move of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because I am reading all kosher books. Kosher books. And I am spending time. You know? And God says, you know, it doesn't work like that. You have to always pick, what am I losing in this? Who is losing here? Because if I don't lose, I don't gain Christ. Remember, the gain is always a person. It is never anything. I set before you blessing and curses, good and evil, life and death. Choose life. He says, I am your life. When it comes to God, it's always a person. The choice you make. When it comes to all the other choices, it is not always a person. It's not always a person. It is something else. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Okay? Now, you translate this, look into almost any translation, it's written this way. But there are sometimes what we call in literature internal evidence. Internal evidence tells you this translation is wrong. Why? Because you go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10. 4.10 Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. What was taken out? Him only. Now, who is quoting? Only was taken out by Moses. Or those who wrote after him. It makes a whole lot of difference. It makes a whole lot of difference. See, what is written over there is only, only is gone in. This is what he is quoting. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6.13. But the problem is, in Deuteronomy 6.13, you don't have only. But when Jesus is quoting, he says only. Is that the original translation for you? No, how can you be right? Because I told it. To Moses. Moses heard it wrong. But this is what I told Moses. Him only you shall serve. Now the problem is, if we serve only God, then it is loss for the carnal man. Only loss. The carnal man has nothing to gain in it. You can gain nothing in this. That's our problem. We are always looking for gain. Okay. The wicked man, he shows gain in evil things. The good man, he shows gain in good things. The good man is not willing to suffer loss. And Jesus says, you know, the issue is this. Only him can you serve. Only him can you worship. Because ultimately you will end up worshipping, serving what you worship. Or whom you worship. And if it is you worship of self, you will end up serving yourself. You will end up serving yourself. You know what? And that is the problem of 21st century Christianity. Because 21st century Christianity is built on a gospel which is false called the prosperity gospel which is built 
on worshipping self and serving self and it is all about gain. That is what Jesus said. You cannot serve God and mammon because mammon is gain. Mammon is gain. Mammon is gain. So you have to get it very, very clear. That's what I said. Doctrine is not what is the most important there. The most important is fellowship or relationship. So whenever you do something, you need to ask, if I do this, how does it affect my relationship with God and how does it relationship with my neighbor? How does it affect? Is it loss or gain? How does it affect? You have to always, otherwise doctrine has no meaning. And we will realize, you know what, we've been building on gain. Then judgment is set there. You sinned against the Lord, you sinned against the body. You know what, you did not really love God and serve him or worship him. You did not really love and serve your neighbor. You know what, you worshipped yourself, served yourself, you worshipped yourself, you served yourself. You know what, put it right. That's the Lord's table. The Lord's table. And we struggle there. We struggle there. We struggle there. We struggle there. And this is fundamental. And we have to teach the children, when they are young, they do not know the Lord, to do things they don't necessarily have to like. They don't have to like. What they eat, they don't have to like. The only question is, is it good for them? The things they are asked to do, it doesn't matter, they get pleasure out of it. No, they don't have to. Because if we teach them that way, then what, I mean, you know why we give our children things they like? It's because we love ourselves. It is easier to feed them. For us. Not for them. You allow them to do things which they like because it's easy on us. Because we love ourselves. So everything is that way. If you look at relationship with God and then look at it horizontally, your relationship with your spouse is based on gain or loss. Your relationship with your children is based on gain or loss. Your relationship with your brethren in the church is based on gain or loss. Your relationship in your office is based on gain or loss. How is it based? Okay, We will realize, you know what, we were always looking for gain. And God is always looking for loss. Let me ask you this question. What did he get from what he did? He'll get everything. That's all. What did he get? Second Corinthians chapter 5, 9 and 11. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. See, we have to be very careful about, that's why Bible says, no God. When Elijah stood in Mount Horeb, which is called the mountain of God, in the presence of God, what is the question God asked? Right? But Lord, aren't you pleased to here? God says, no, what are you doing in church? Go home. What are you doing here? Oh, but I thought you did you you didn't understand me. I told you to go home. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Go home. 
That's what I'm asking. What are you doing here? Oh, I am in the mountain of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. I see. God says, I don't want to see your face. <laughs> I'm tired of your face. Go. I want you there. I want you there. Okay. I want you there. And sometimes we need to realize, you know. We need to realize, you know. You need to have, if you are a boss in your office, I know bosses like that. No, I know bosses like that. Bosses will look at them and says, What are you doing here? Go home. What are you doing here? Go home. Go home work. And then you should you have should have a spouse when you should be at office who should say, What are you doing here? <laughs> I woke up in the morning. I got your dabba ready. Everything is ready. Your clothes are put out over there. Please go to the work, office and work. What are you doing here? Everything for you is ready. What are you doing here? No. Be very, very careful about these things. You know why? These things are important. Because what are we losing? We are losing time. And why is it so important? Because we only have this much time to do the will of God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. How did it happen? Because of time. Therefore know the terror of the Lord. Because it is one exam, one judgment fixed for eternity. That's it. Or, so be very careful. Because you know what? There is a judgment day coming. It's not about condemnation, but it's a judgment day of coming. And the entire judgment is based on time, will, and activities. What did you do? Where did you do? When did you do? How did you do? And he judges without partiality. Without partiality. And you are stuck there. We are stuck there. That's what God is talking about. We need to be very, very serious about this. Absolutely serious about this. Let me give you one more verse. I may not get into that today. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Let me look at my notes. Yeah. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. If you read that in isolation, you can make a theology out of it. But you have to look at what God is actually saying, looking at it. You read from verse 2 to 6. Oh, from 1 to 6 we can go. Because 1 comes before 2 anyway. Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay? Master in heaven. Okay, we have to realize, you know, that's one of the things I always used to do with Made servants who I said just go home. Got a family. Finish your work? Go home. You don't have to work till seven o'clock. Go home. Be just. They have a family. Why are they working in your house? Because they have a family. Right? Finish your work? Go home. You're working only in my house, right? Finish your work? Go home. Be just. It's not about a salary. It's about the time. You can pay them through the nose, but they have only this much time to live. Be just. Be fair. Be just. Be fair. 
You know why? Because if you make them work, and your incentive is I will give you more and more money, and you have caused them to work for money, something else is dying. Something else is dying. And this world does not care what dies as long as they have gain. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I make it manifest as I ought to speak. So what God is saying to those within the body of Christ, especially those who are connected with ministry, the extension of the kingdom, profitably use your time. When you are praying, understand. Don't waste your time in praying and don't waste your time. Pray that the kingdom of God would expand because that is the will of God. The gospel shall preach to the ends of the world and the end shall come. So always keep that in mind. That in your prayer life, the extension of the kingdom comes first. That is to the people within. And then, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to, you ought to answer to you. What does it mean? To those who are outside the kingdom, be very, very careful, because they are watching you. What do you say to them? How you say to them? How you deal with them is the witness of Christ. Redeem your time. Redeem your time. Go out of your way. Lord, I need extra grace when I deal with people who are outside the kingdom because I may be the only witness of Christ they will ever meet, as we call the fifth gospel. Everywhere you see time is there. Time connected to those who are within the body, time connected with those who are outside the body. When it comes to the within the body of Christ, primary is intercession. I am an intercessor. I will intercede for the kingdom to come. When the kingdom comes, it's all over. Glory land has begun. And to those outside, Lord, I need to be very careful. I walk and I have to redeem the time. Because with your neighbor, like I have two neighbors upstairs. Okay, with you, but they love me. Okay. Okay. And they don't understand me. They don't understand me at all. Because this thing, you know, because when the when the husband goes, when the girl goes to work, no, when she when they moved in there, they couldn't speak the girl couldn't speak English. At all. So I always used to say, you have to keep speaking, okay? If you keep speaking, your English will come, okay? And I will not, I will not put you to shame. Keep speaking. Now she speaks English very well, okay? She's working for SBI. So I said, see, didn't I tell you? Two years you've learned your language, right? And when she goes in the morning, I open the gate for them and I will tell her, have a blessed day. She looks at, thank you, uncle. I said, that is what we say to everybody. Be blessed. Have a blessed day. Okay? Blessed day. And you know what? Last Christmas, uh, no, Ma gave me a hamper. I gave it to the, uh, Naresh had come back. I gave it the hamper to him. And he said, sir, you know what, sir, wait, because Amini is coming. I said, what happened? No, she said, you know what, uh, uncle's festival is coming. I have to buy a gift for him. You know, that entire Christmas, the only gift I got was from them. You know what, it was simply, because every time I got with them, I redeemed it. You know what? Because with those who are outside, we have to be very, very careful that our speech has to be seasoned with salt, with grace. You know? They have to know that our God is different. And it's not by preaching the gospel. They wouldn't want to hear that. But they need to know our God is d- different because we are different. 
we are different. And you see everywhere, it has got to do with time. It's got to do with time. Okay, got to do with time. It's all got to do with time. Because time has got to do with relationship with those who are within and relationship with those who are without. Because that is that is what life is all about. Okay, In heaven, what is time about? All about. It's about relationships. Okay, It's all about relationships. Revelation 21, 22, you read, what is there? Only relationship. I mean, work will be based on relationships. As if God is, the whole purpose of redemption is to get some workers, some laborers. God is in a construction project. No, he's not. So please get this whole picture over there and you understand what God is talking about. That the devil will mess us up. Because he knows we all have. Only a certain number. Let me give you two more verses connected with that. Turn to Colossians 2, 6 and 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. 2, 6. So, therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. And go to 1 Peter um, 15 and 16. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Okay. In your hearts, be separated unto God. That is to And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. May be ashamed. How we deal with outsiders matter. Really, really matter. Really, really matter. Really matter. We have a duty in relationship to those who are within. We have a duty in relationship with those who are outside. With both of that, what should we do? We should redeem our time. For the days are evil. Days are evil. All we have is time to do the will of God. And when we stand before God, we'll have to give an account of all the things we did within that time. Whether good or bad. And remember, when it comes to bad, it means in heaven there is negative marking. <laughs> there is negative marking. So the only thing you can do about the bad is repent. It's a heavenly eraser that takes it out. And it is not enough to erase it. It has to be replaced with good. Replaced with good. Amen? Yes, children. Amen. Okay. What does that mean? It means eat your breakfast fast. Eat your supper leisurely. Got it? Eat your supper. Take a time for supper. It's fellowship time. Breakfast is not. Because you have to go to work after that. Okay? Eat fast. That is basic instructions for little children. Okay, Amma? Breakfast fast. Dinner, talk as much as you can. Swallow in between, but talk as much as you can. Okay. If you choke, keep water nearby. Okay. No problem. Talk, 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 talk. Okay. Because parents love to hear their children talk when they are at the table. I hope so. Okay. That's when secrets come out unconsciously. 
Let's pray. Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Father, because we know, Lord, in heaven there will be so much fellowship. So much, so much, oh Lord. In heaven, we will really understand what life was all about. There will be no time to redeem there. The days won't be evil there. There will be not even the presence of evil in heaven. But today you are teaching us to fight. In the spring, kings go to battle. And I pray, Father, you've already spoken over us that you shall be kings and priests to our God forever. We need to fight time. Redeem time in the seasons that has been given to us so that we may serve you as priests. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us each day. Help us each day, Lord. Not a waste time. Thank you, Father, for today, for another day you added into our lives. And I pray, Father, through it all, we will become that men and women after God's own heart. Thank you, thank you, Father. Commit the rest of the day into the hands, the evening Q&A also into thy hands, O Lord. Thank you, Father, thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.